Chris, can can we just like can we just talk to Brandon and say how much he missed out on Fast X? I'm glad you it is a pretty fun movie, Brandon. It, I'm glad you Brandon, I'm I'm as someone who did not like Fast Nine either, okay? Fast X is pretty good. Well, I just like, didn't like the last three movies. I know I didn't listen, I hate I didn't like Fate of the Furious either. Uh I didn't like Hobbs and Shaw either. This one is actually fun again. I this one was actually fun, you know? Mm-hmm. Not just in a oh tongue in cheek bad way, like actually fun. Um, I don't think that should matter. <laughs> <laughs> I think fun is fun no matter what. Okay, well, and I think fun. you're really missing out on one of Jason Momoa's greatest performances. I legitimately I, think he's really good in this movie. I did hear that he was like the because best because he's having fun. But he knows he knows what movie he's in. But like I've heard, exactly. like Vin Diesel doesn't know what movie he's in. But like, I think that's what makes his performance even better. Like Jason Momoa's because it really is a Joker and Batman relationship. Where Vin Diesel, he's like this stoic guy this whole time, you know, like Batman, where he's like all serious and stoic, but then Joker's having fun the whole time. Mm-hmm. It's a good dichotomy, wouldn't you say, Chris? Yeah, I agree. It's let's ride. He's <laughs> let's ride, let's ride. And with that, welcome back to Stacked Episode One Thirteen. We had a little Fast and Furious talk before the show started. Ethan um, is gonna be quiet this episode. Cause... I'm gonna be quiet this episode because um, I may or may not have received noise complaints. Uh, um... <laughs> it was that dog episode you recorded. <laughs> Oh. I was pretty rowdy that episode, wasn't I? I was yelling yeah. at Oliver and kicking him off the couch and stuff. Um, but yeah, we're back. Um, this is gonna be a this is very um, this is a very special episode because this is gonna be um, this is gonna be the last episode for a while, where it's the three of us together. Um, because next week Chris is gonna be going back home to Hong Kong. Um, Yay! With his, with his lovely girlfriend Ange, is the first time you've been home since 2020, right? Yep, three years. And you're gonna bring the girlfriend. She's gonna see your home. That's so exciting. And so we decided, you know, he has recorded stacked in Hong Kong when we first started, but like, he's gonna be there with Ange. You know, we want to give him his time home because he hasn't been there a while. So we don't want him to worry about old stacked. Brandon and I will figure out stuff, and then once I go to Japan for July. Uh, Brandon, I hope you know how to edit podcasts. That's all I'll say. I don't. <laughs> I know, but I've got Final Cut. Well, that should that should help, right? Yeah, and you got and you can edit the thumbnails too. <laughs> I'll just do. I'll figure the out. Keys, I'll like the keys to the city is in your hands, buddy. Don't fuck it hey, up, <laughs> Ethan. Ethan. Yeah, I know. You've seen my art skills with the bazaar on yeah. my phone. And yes, just... you can do it. You can and also, I can look up on YouTube how to perfect fun- thumbnails. Oh, like, so you're gonna make them better? Okay. I'm gonna make a. I'm gonna. I'm gonna add. A circle. <laughs> you're gonna add the red arrows, the circle, and the red arrows, and you going, oh, you're <laughs> yeah, doing a pog pointing. face. <laughs> and I'm gonna, oh. and it's gonna be like crossing out, like. Everybody. I turned into a movie triple feature at 3 a.m. in the morning. Not clickbait. Must watch. <laughs> uh... But yeah, that's a few, just a few housekeeping to get out of the way uh, before we get into this fun show. That, that was the today. big announcement. <laughs> I know. I realized that once we... Okay, let's also explain this. That whole announcement bit for like the two people that caught on <laughs> who actually <laughs> care about this show 
yeah we just made that as a bit but then i realized that like we kept going on and then there's like until there actually was an announcement and then we made and, and now we're going on and then and now we have a hiatus coming yeah that is kind of a big announcement that is a at big least announcement. i'm gonna try to keep things going with something me too um in June, I know we got. I know there's a guest who wants to sh- uh, come on. Um, so Brandon and I, we can tackle that. We'll talk about it after. Um, I'm not gonna uh, talk about that live on air. Um, but uh, oh man, I I don't know if I want to say this on the podcast because I've literally been holding myself to this for the past three years. I have a video essay in progress. Maybe I'll get it out in June. Don't hold me to that. I don't know. Maybe it'll never come out. But I'm like, I've already, re- I've already recorded the video essay. I hate I've edited, making. I've edited the first minute of it. <laughs> no, I, I hate, I hate making video essays. Not because I hate writing them, or I hate like the the idea of coming up with these like ideas to talk about. I pulling don't footage. like. I hate pulling footage. Oh, it it's is the worst. It sucks. It's the worst. Because I can part. edit for days because I've got ideas with how to edit things and make them visually interesting and I know how to exactly. do it. Yeah. But when it comes to like pulling clean, high definition footage that will make it more watchable. Yeah. Boy, it's, oh boy. It's a it's, it's a, like a scavenger hunt and it's just yeah. like it takes so much time. And, and even if you have OBS, you have to have like you a have to let it run. computer. Yeah. yeah. And then you have to let it run. And then, yeah, it's that is definitely the worst part of video essay making i think because the writing is fun and the editing is definitely fun but pulling footage is like it's the most monotonous thing to do in this process yeah like that's what's been holding me back from from like really wanting to jump into my two the two video essays that i've had in like the pipeline but like i've never really done anything with right which were for your name and top gun uh but i've just never been like uh, i don't i don't want to like like, I don't want to set up Top Gun on my computer and let it run for two and a half hours. You know what I mean? I know, right? I know. I did that. Uh, I mean, I've released teasers for what my video essay is going to be about. It's going to be about the Dark Crystal. And I, I had to do that. I, I already, like, recorded the whole movie. I have that. But then it's just, like, there's, like, some other visuals that I need to explain this one certain element. And it's just, like, fuck. It's hard. It's hard. Um, yeah. All right. It's also, like, um... Sorry, but no, now I'm derailed. But um, yeah. the last point is that the I feel like with video essay is a, video essays is a lot like just writing an essay where it's like the hardest part is getting started. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but yeah, but yeah. All right. Um, well, <laughs> is this is the first aid kit. Getting some band aids out. Brandon's hurt. Yeah, Brandon's hurt. Or is or is, or is Evelyn hurt? Oh, I bet Brandon hit his head. Oh, Brandon hurts hips. <laughs> I hit my head. Y'all, what? I did not hit my head. Oh, sure. Go back to being muted. One time, Brandon hit his head, and he came back home with this big-ass band-aid, like a cartoon band-aid on his forehead, and it made me raffle, bro. Um. Okay, let's get to the episode. <laughs> so, today, um, this episode is being released the weekend. Um, the highly, highly, highly anticipated sequel to Spider-Man to the Spider-Verse is coming out. Um, Chris, how, how how excited are you for this? I feel like... I am. I'm Yeah, I, I'm a big... I mean, we talked about this. I think even last episode we talked about it, but yeah. I'm a big Spider-Head. Spider-Head, yeah. 
Um, and you know, I grew up with the with the character and read his comics and the movies and the shows and whatnot. Um, yeah, I'm really excited. I love the first Spider Verse movie. I'm just trying to go in to this movie with manageable expectations because you know, like that first movie is fantastic. Um, you know, I think like we all have, we all generally really like that movie, despite maybe like a couple of things that are detractors. Yeah, but. In in general, I feel like it's a very well beloved movie, and I I hope that it can surprise me narratively because I mean you know animation wise I've got no I've got I've got no worries I know they're gonna yeah. do great because just the trailers are like beautiful well done yeah. um, but you know like that first one did surprise me with its story I think it handled it beautifully and I wasn't expecting that when I went into that movie so I'm hoping that I can go into this movie with good ex- like like manageable expectations so that it can so that it can only surprise me and or just satisfy me and that's fine um yeah, yeah i'm trying i'm trying to keep it manageable i'm trying not to get too too uh in over my head uh about it but yeah i'm excited i'm excited to check it out i'm seeing it i'm seeing it the night before i fly too so you know it's going to be a good time i'm excited that's exciting brandon you just got back from playing hide the cucumber what a what do you think about spider verse <laughs> what a avengers age of Ult- ultrons reference that yeah. was. You know me. Uh, uh, buck and a half, you know. I pull out the, <laughs> I pull out the ones people that usually talk about, you know? Buck and a half. <laughs> <laughs> um I, I I came up with the idea for this, didn't I? Yeah. Um No, I, yeah, yeah, you did. I <laughs> because I think we because we, we were talking about oh well like what when we were thinking about what can we write about this episode. Yeah, uh, and we were going over Spider-Verse and we were like, you know what? We have talked about animated films, but nowadays the world is dominated by 3D animation. It's been forever that it feels like that a Western animated 2D movie has like really blown up. Like you've had Klaus on Netflix comes to mind. But even then, that wasn't fully, you know. Yeah. And I mean, there's this new revitalization of 2D animation that's going on, which is utilizing a 3D space and a character on the 3D spectrum as opposed mm-hmm. to being like flat and 2d but i think there are things that we can recognize uh in the 2d genre the 2d genre 2d medium <laughs> <laughs> that is uh very impressive nonetheless you know and there are things with 2d animation you can't do with 3d animation yeah and i guess nowadays we've got films like puss in boots 2 the bad guys the first two boss baby movies spider verse Captain Underpants and the Peanuts movie that have utilized yeah. like a great mixture of 2D and 3D animation at times yeah. to really pervade this like storybook like look that it feels like it's leaping right off the page of something uh, that is 2D. It works yeah. so well for Spider Verse because it is a comic, uh, comic book adaptation, yeah. But 2D animation does have its merits. So it oh boy does oh, it. it yeah definitely. Um, yeah, I you know everyone's talking about the quote. I I feel like everyone calls it the quote unquote Spider Verse style that's been really blown up in. It's just uh, popularized by it, not that it was their idea. No, it was their idea. Um, it's just you know yeah they popularized it. They made it like, you know, uh, they put eyes onto it because it was a really good movie. You know, yeah, great um, movie. And yeah, just like the ability of taking 3d characters and 3d spaces and shading them and um 
playing with f- frame rate. I feel like frame rate's the biggest uh, point of attraction for these films is realizing that when characters move in a slower frame rate, when they're doing intense actions, it sort of like brings a sense of like uh, of power to them, you know, and like and like heavier gravity, which is cool. Um, you know, uh, I'm really excited for the Ninja Turtles movie that's coming out. Um, I'm like, I'm like, so I'm more excited for the Ninja Turtles movie than I am for the Spider-Verse sequel. If I'm going to be honest. I just, Fair enough. I don't know. It, it just, it just looks, it looks so unique using the, this, like this ideology, um, that I can't wait. But, um, today we're going to be going back to, you know, uh, 2d animated films, uh, and like what makes 2d animation so special you know um so the films that i personally chose were films that i believe could have only been made in the 2d medium and not in the 3d medium um and i also chose uh films from different countries as well um so i'm only gonna have one american 2d animated film here and i'm gonna go different countries here but uh how did you guys decide like which films you're going to talk about today to like encapsulate 2d animation? Well, on my end, it was pretty straightforward. I first thought, well, because of the spy, like, you know, that we're talking about this movie in preparation for spider versus release. Um, I started first thinking about movies that adopt a similar approach to animation as spider verse, where it's that blend of 2d and 3d. Um, so I first went with that, um, and I'll talk about that in a bit. Um, but then I, then I went back and thought about like, okay, what are some just general 2d animated movies that have really touched me in one way or another? And then Mm -hmm. that just led me down the rabbit hole from there. Um, yeah. And like pretty much my whole intention was to show off some of my favorite 2d animated films, as well as kind of talk about how 2d and 3d have started to get a lot more interplay in these last few years. Cause I think animators have started looking at that as an advantage to take it like something to take advantage of, you know, so that they can articulate whatever it is they're trying to articulate um, really well. And Spider-Verse does that wonderfully well. Um, So yeah, I'm excited. I'm excited to talk about some of this stuff. Yeah. What about you, Brandon? Uh, I meant to do it more historically. So Mm -hmm. there are a few films that I don't know whether or not I'm going to talk about all of them because now that we have our looser structure, it does feel like sometimes we can talk about more than just three movies. Yeah. Um, but historically speaking, I feel like there are three eras distinctly of 2D animation. Mm-hmm. I think you have your your cell era where it is very like traditional in the animation style, where it feels like they're using it's like pen and paper. Right. And then you have your digital, like early digital era where it's combining digital and hand-drawn animation. And now I feel like you have this uh, more uh, modern era where they're utilizing 2D animation that is primarily done via like Flash or any other uh, programs. And I think you get to see like a different source of like shading uh, and a different Mm. sort of movement when you see a film that is uh, animated by hand versus like by computer. I mean, not saying like the animators aren't doing work, but it's a different kind of work. that's Different process. Yeah. 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 Exactly. All right. So, yeah. Well, you know, since you took a more historical approach, you want to kick us off with uh, your first early animated film, 2D animated film? 
Right. Um, so first off, uh, I don't think you can quite talk about animation without tackling the mouse. Yeah. Uh, so you gotta. So I'm I'm picking uh, Sleeping Beauty. Whoa. From, uh, which uh, I'm surprised I mean, you're not going for Cinderella. I I thought about it, you know, but if you actually, I I do want you guys, not just the viewers, but my co-hosts. Uh, to go and rewatch this movie if you haven't, because it is a such a striking style in comparison to the rest of the early Disney features. You know, I think Middle Disney, like after Sleeping Beauty, that's when they kind of ran out of the money and they were starting to utilize the same frames and or same uh sense of movement oh yeah every film like you can look it up there like they have repeated it because people couldn't go back and rewatch these films so easily so how would they notice now having access to every disney film it's so easy to notice these frames are similar but if you look at sleeping beauty there is something entirely magical about the way this film is animated because yes, it may not have the best Disney princess story, but it has a fantastic villain. It's got an evocative setting of like this fairy tale, dark fairy tale world that is very um, Gendy, uh, Tartakovsky. That is that his name? Yeah, his that's name? his name. Yeah, Gendy yeah. Tartakovsky. But the person you got to contribute this all to, um, one of my favorite background artists of all time. She right. changed the she changed the look of Disney. It's Mary Blair. She's right. the background artist for this film. Did you guys ever go to the exhibit that they had at Chapman for her works of art? I don't think it so. At, it was, was at, it at, at the, the Hilbert. The, at the Hilbert, it was at the Hilbert. I remember I went there, and I just think her style is enchanting, and it's just like it, is. it defined the look to like Fantasyland at Disneyland. You know, right? And it feels like they ripped exactly that aesthetic and brought it to this, and it doesn't feel flat. Like noticeably, no. yes, it is like. There are you can obviously tell it's two D animated by the way the yeah. trees look. It's like very geometric almost in the way it's structured, but that doesn't make it like any less like oh I'm I'm watching a movie. This feels fake and flat and empty because there's a way that things are shaded and the way that things are structured that makes it really. I I don't know the the quite the world, but you you say enchanting, so like let's go with that. Yeah. And and the characters feel real and it just feels so unique and stylistically different from a lot of Disney films of the era, which kind of they don't feel like they almost feel more bare bones than this one. And I think that's right. because of the detail uh, that Mary Blair has kind of represented in this film. Yeah, it's very um, I feel like it's very she has a very uh, northern eastern European style to it, which is, I mean. When you think of fairy tales like that's where it all originated you know is from that part of the of um europe you know um so i i i've been i've been meaning to go back and just check out all the disney classics from the vault you know i um i rewatched um bambi recently i rewatched pinocchio uh briefly i didn't rewatch the whole film i sasha was watching it back when i was sasha and I rewatched uh, Alice in Wonderland, which was like I I thought that film was great. Um, so I just want to go back and like and see all these classic Disney animated films that like made this the studio such a you know the powerhouse that it is today. You know, I think Ooh. I think I need to rewatch Fantasia because I haven't watched that movie since I was like a kid, like a little oh, kid. Yeah. And I remember there are certain sequences that 
as somebody who was like, I, I, I just, when I watched animated films as a kid, I never like picked up on like themes and story, but I was trying to, and this movie doesn't really have one. So okay. that movie kind of like it's striking in its visuals, but it's obviously meant to ev- evoke uh, the juxtaposition between what you hear and what you see. It's a formless film because it's, right. that that's basically what it was made for. Like, uh, I think they talked about in our animated film class, right, Brandon, where they made Fran- Fantasia just to show um, just how, like, powerful. Wait, were you in my animation film? Animated it film wasn't. Class? I don't know why I said I thought you were. You were in most I, of my other classes. I mean, I I've seen a lot of animation. So yeah, but in, in that class that I took, it was like Fantasia was made just because the animators just wanted to show, like their audience of what they're capable of, you know? So they're like, let's make a story with no, well, let's make a movie with no story. And it's just like, you're going to the opera, you know, or you're going to go to the ballet, but it's a performance through animation, you know? And that's, I feel like that's a completely valid thing. You know, it's, I love me some formless filmmaking, you know, in that sense. Um, But yeah, I just, I feel like you can also pick up that in Sleeping Beauty. I am oh man, I haven't seen this since probably when I had it on VHS when I was like three or four years old. It's been, probably been that long, Same. so I can't I can't tell you anything that's happened in that movie. You know, besides uh, Maleficent turns into the dragon at the end, that dragon that just famously caught on fire. Did you guys see uh, that? Fantastic, yeah. 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 <laughs> and then, um, and then, did you did you see the shot of like because like there's a lot of people recording it. There's yeah. someone got a video of Mi- the Mickey uh, actor yeah. um, like looking up at the fire and then just standing on a platform and just descending below the stage, just like <laughs> piecing out. See it. <laughs> yeah, he's like, I did that. I, yeah, that was me. Uh, what a mic drop. <laughs> but yeah, I don't really remember much of the story, you know? Uh, I know no, me neither. Three fairy godmothers, too. Uh, they are kind of the protagonists of the movie, which is really interesting. But the thing about Aurora is she's kind of a weak Disney princess. Just yeah. because she's asleep. She's sleeping the whole time. Of 75% of the movie. and then Actually, she's yeah. most relatable in that sense. And then ten percent of the like time she's <laughs> like, she doesn't really do anything when she is awake. So it's very much like the prince is well developed and the villain is well developed, but the the fairy godmothers have to carry the movie. And mileage may vary because I don't really like them all that much. So. Damn, you heard it. But the fan. movie's good. Movie's yeah. good though. Yeah. Well, I feel the same way about I do about Sleeping Beauty as I do a lot of those early Disney films in the sense that I remember like um. When I was in high school, I like. Did you guys? Did you? Did your guys' school ever host that like TED Talk thing? TED Ed is that what they called it? No, we'd, why, we'd watch home. them. We'd watch. Yeah, them. but we we never host them. Well, TED, well, like it wasn't a real TED Talk. It's basically like a program that TED the whoever runs TED Talk runs, Ted. where like they go to schools and yeah, Mister TED. Um, no, the bear. Movie Seth MacFarlane's bear. From the movie TED. <laughs> um, but like anyway, so basically there was like a, a TED Talk. An amateur TED Talk, basically, at my school. Yeah. And it was run by students. And one of the students talked about um, the representation of women in these Disney films and how they have changed and progressed as time has gone on to match, you know, how the kind of, like, social climate, if you will. Right. Um, and, you know, a lot of these earlier Disney films, like, the princesses are not incredibly engaging characters. Mm-hmm. Um, 
you know, like even like like Snow, I mean like Snow White. I think it, like Brandon, I saw I saw on Twitter, uh, you you tweeted towards uh, you replied to Rachel Zegler or some shit. Um, by Why? the way, love Snow White. And she responded. And she responded not to me, but she responded to the tweet <laughs> after. But I was the only person that tagged her, and I was like, so I wonder think- if she saw. <laughs> yeah, oh, no. <laughs> but m- more to the point like yeah a lot of these early disney films like don't like i the the representation of women is not nearly as flattering in, compared by modern standards of how women are represented in disney films like i mean yeah. nowadays you have like a lot of the princesses are much more active and like you know usually have much more developed uh backstories and character arcs like nowadays you have say I mean, Elsa's one of the biggest ones. Um, Rapunzel is huge. Moana, Mulan. Mulan's number one for me, man. I think it wasn't until Mulan, and, you know, Belle is one of my favorite Disney princesses, but, like, it wasn't until Mulan that those uh, princess movies started to, like, give their princesses, like, action, you know? They were smart. Yeah, Yeah, they weren't, they, they didn't have agency. It's like, you can look at Ariel and Jasmine and Belle as gen- genuine step-ups from uh, Snow White, Cinderella, Aurora, the like. But they didn't really do much in their stories. And at times, they're at the will of whoever is, like, who else is. The prince, probably. Yeah. Usually. Yeah, yeah, usually. Yeah. Whereas, like, when you look at Mulan, it's like, that's the first one where it's like, okay, there's some independence here. So those early ones are kind of deceptively, like, oh, a step forward, but also kind of uh regressive but it wasn't until like the the 90 late 90s that i think we we have stepped into a new era true yeah which was the disney renaissance which exactly. i don't know about you guys but it's still the my favorite era of disney it's up there it's, guys. it's no, better than the silver age yeah yeah uh brandon who's your favorite disney princess chris said his was mulan tiana mulan. i tiana's up there for yeah. me she's a pretty good she's, pretty great. she's enterprising she's She's independent. Um, she's smart. It's it's just she's funny. Yeah, yeah, she's very funny. And then you know, Belle is like a bookworm. She's got good she's songs sweet. too. But yeah, they both got good songs. Good music. So yeah. that's why that's what makes a good Disney princess. <laughs> it, true. Got to analyze them. Um, yeah. All right. Cool. Uh, I'm glad yeah. we started a bit earlier. Chris, do you have one you want to jump off of? Sure. I mean, we we were just talking about Mulan, so I guess I'll I'll hit. I'll jump around a bit. I, I want to bring in, um, hmm, I guess from the same era as Mulan, since we were just briefly talking about that. Um, and we watched this movie for a movie night uh, a little while ago. I want to talk about Tarzan. <laughs> oh, yes. Now this, this is a great movie. Um, oh, so, came out the uh, year I mean, everybody, yeah, the year we were born. Jesus Christ. Um, but yeah, okay, so Tarzan. Um, I mean, everyone knows the story, you know, like washed ashore, like washed ashore, a uh, child gets taken in by a pack of gorillas and event and basically like assimilates into their culture and then uh, is kind of confronted by his true heritage and kind of has to go about that. Um, yeah, Tarzan is a beautifully animated film. I, I think one thing that really stands out to me about this film, especially for its time, is how detailed its foliage is. And like the ba- the matte backgrounds for like all of the characters is like impeccably detailed. Um, it all feels very like stylized, but like not over overly stylized. Um, and I, and like combining like 
combine that with as well as the music by Phil Collins, which still some of the best music I've, I've seen Disney put into one of their animated works. Yeah, probably. Yeah, um, it's just, it's just phenomenal. And on top of that, it's it's a very like very well handled and mature take on a pretty standard story. You know what I mean? Like the end, like the yeah. part in the film where like just. Tarzan's struggle between these two worlds, you know, the the song Two Worlds, two, One Family. Two, yeah. Exactly, yeah. right? And so it's it's stupid. deeply compelling and like there's a lot of these little moments where like like uh, for example, there's this great scene in the movie where um Tarzan and his ape mother, gorilla mother, I should say, um <laughs> go back to the treehouse and it's him making the decision of like do I stay here or do I go with the humans? Right. And there's a great right. shot where she's outside of the, the treehouse and she sees his silhouette coming out. And it looks like, you know, he's shirt it looks like just because of the you know the way it's shaded and whatnot, like he's shirtless and walking yeah. out. Yeah. And then he emerges in a suit. And it's just like that's just simple visual storytelling. And I don't know, the 2D animation is just beautiful in this. This is one of those movies that you could put on and I'll I'll never complain about it. Um yeah, I love Tarzan. Um, and Ethan, you were you were shocked by oh, how much oh, you liked this movie. I I probably hadn't seen Tarzan since when I watched Sleeping Beauty. Like it's been that long since. But then when we watched it together, it was like, it's so fun. It's such a yeah. fun movie. <laughs> um, this is also one of the first Disney films uh, after Beauty and the Beast, right? To use three D. No. Oh yeah, backgrounds. To use 3D yeah. animation, blend 3D and 2D, and yeah. just like Beauty and the Beast, it has like it's aged phenomenally. You know, mm-hmm. when you see there's a lot of films where you see 3D objects interact in a 2D space in animated films, and it doesn't look good. You know, they touched they touched on it in Little Mermaid and Beauty and the Beast, but I think they sort of perfected it in Mulan and Tarzan. Yeah, and mm-hmm. and and that's just that's great to see that like. Because something about the thing about two D animation is, it's it's always timeless, you know, because there's no sort of breakthroughs in textures and technology, you know. Um, yeah, it's, it's just tech. Like, yeah, it's it's pure technique. Like, Snow White looks just as good today as it did in the forties. You know, you upscale that to four K and it or the thirties, really. amazing. Yeah, yeah, it still looks great and. You know, thankfully, when Disney started using uh, 3D spaces in their 2D films, they did it appropriately for it to still look great. Um, Mm -hmm. Yeah, uh, this film's fantastic. Great story. Great humor. The soundtrack is probably Disney's best. Um, The songs, our boy Phil, you know, he rocks it. Um, It's okay. What? Wait, what? I thought you loved it too. But you you like the music. It's okay. I do like Tarzan's music, but it's something that when I listen to Phil Collins, it becomes more grating the more I listen to it. In the moment, it's great. But then when I if I hear the song again and again, I'm like, I'm kind of over it by the Dude, In back. the Air Tonight will always be one of the all-time Bro, greats. You'll, you'll be in my heart. Ever. You'll be in my heart always gets me. That song, oh man. He's oh, golly. Dude. He's good. He's good. All right, it's I'm more gonna memeable keep... than it is good. No, you're a troll. You're a troll. I'm blocking you. Well, I'm done with this conversation. I'm gonna keep going on the Disney train. 
and I'm going to talk about my Disney, my Disney movie that I made. <laughs> no, my favorite Disney 2D film, and that is The Emperor's New Groove. Yeah, this movie's hilarious. It's, it's the so most funny. underrated Disney film. Uh, th- this is a Renaissance film, right? It came out. Yes, 2000. it is Renaissance. Yeah, Renaissance film. Nineties. I, I think. don't. Think uh, so. It was the. Is it not Renaissance? It, I think it, it is. The year after Tarzan, two thousand, came out two thousand. Yeah, let me so. double check this. Disney Renaissance. Uh, anyways, while Chris is checking that, um, this is this is the Disney film I was raised on. Like, just it. it I think it's the funniest one because it's this one's. It's not a musical. It's like it's it's a straight up comedy. It's, you know, it's in the it's in the era just following the Renaissance. That's what I oh. will say. Okay, but I I would argue it, um, I, I, I'd be I'd be willing to I'd be willing to put it in the Renaissance era for my personal me too for my personal taste. I'm gonna, I'm gonna I put it in there on my own, and I'm I gonna convince everyone to do the same. Can I just to spite you? Can I say something? Sure. I don't think it belongs in the Renaissance era. Why? Because because it's so okay. If you look at the Renaissance era of Disney films, they're all, with the exception of the Rescuers Down Under, they're all pretty much the same. They're Broadway style musicals, uh, with a great classic story, uh, being revitalized by Disney animation. And when you look at the post Renaissance, which includes the works like Lilo and Stitch. Dinosaur, Emperor's New Groove, Treasure Planet, Meet the Robinsons. These are all more risky ideas, and they're not traditional. Just because they're not in the Renaissance uh, era doesn't mean they're good movies, you know? It just means they're more risky and groundbreaking in their attempts and approaches, you know? Yeah. And that's, and I think Emperor's New Groove is brave because it wasn't going to be the film that it was. I actually watched a video essay on Emperor's New Groove. Uh, I, tell us about it. What was it going to be? Um, so initially, Disney had a similar idea to make the film. It, it wasn't going to be like um, Cusco as like this likable figure who was like learning to love. It was going to be more of like a traditional Disney musical with like the same like um with the same structure as those renaissance movies but it got butchered in development and i don't remember why um Mm -hmm. if i can find the video i'll i can have you link it in the description yeah but it was not going to be the film that it ended up being and that's why it came out after the renaissance so i think that's part of the reason because it's more stylistically risky that if you look at it than as opposed to like what they had produced in the renaissance era right because it's a it's a incredibly loose adaptation of a classic uh, story, The Emperor's New Clothes, but you know, uh, I think the the connection sort of stopped there in the title because he's not naked; he's a llama. Uh, but I just think this movie is like one of the most quotable Disney movies. You know, Sharp Rocks with Bomb. Oh yeah, bring it on. You know, or a pacha. <laughs> and Kronk, of course, one of the best Disney characters ever. He's so I've... good. Oh yeah, it's all coming together. Oh yeah, it's all coming together now, dude. The the Cusco's wrong Cusco's lever Cusco's thing Cusco. never fails to make me laugh. The what? Wrong lever thing. Oh yeah, pull the wrong lever. lever. Kronk. Wrong lever. <laughs> or when he's doing his own theme music. It's so good. Um, and it introduced me to talents. Uh, 
such as uh, John Goodman. This might have been my first John Goodman movie. Was him as Pacha, um, David Spade as Cusco. It's our first Disney Prince movie that stars a Disney Prince. You know, which as a as a man, I felt very validated in that. That is not. <laughs> I true. said. I said finally one for the boys. That's not true. I know Lion King. And Lion no, Spot. Aladdin, Lion King, and Hercules. No, he's not a prince. Hercules isn't a prince. Okay, he's a demigod. He becomes a prince at the end. Aladdin does. <laughs> oh yeah, he Jasmine. Yeah, but this one was the first one. So, anyways, yeah, it's a really <laughs> good movie. <laughs> I'm just gonna I'm gonna deny all of Brandon's facts that he tells me, uh, <laughs> even though they're right. Yeah, ever since you know. Uh, never mind. Uh, yeah, I just don't believe anything Brandon says anymore. Even when they're correct. <laughs> well. And that's just, that's just how it goes now. Um, that's insane, <gasps> cuz. Cuz? Yeah, it is insane. I'm insane. Have you not understood that by now? I'm freaking that's crazy. That's insane, cuz. I'm freaking out of my mind, dude. I'm Forget crazy. about it, cuh. <laughs> I said forget about it, cuh. Um, but yeah, anyone else have any thoughts on Emperor's New Groove, Brandon? I like the movie a lot. I think it yeah. is one of the, I, I remember watching it a lot as a kid. I don't, you know, this is like right before I started going to the theater as a kid to watch movies. Uh, and, but I remember specifically rewatching the, the DVD a lot. <laughs> oh yeah. So, so I don't know. I really liked it. It's a good one. Mm-hmm. Um. All right. Are we out of our Disney? Is it? I think Jeez, we're sorry. done. I'm pretty I'm much done. done with Disney. I think. Yeah. Cool. I think I'm done. done. With get out done. of here. We are done with Disney. Um. We set our piece. Get out of here. Let's get into some more unique films. Brandon, what do you got? Uh, still picking a Western animated film. Uh, I'm picking a Brad Bird movie. I'm picking The Iron Giant. Hey, great movie. Ooh. Love this movie. Classic. Brilliant movie. We saw I this just, movie in a theater. We did with Brad Bird. Jealous. He was there. Yeah, I wasn't invited. Cool. Oh, you weren't there. Oh, yeah. you weren't there. No, I wasn't invited oh. too. So, sorry. <laughs> it's okay, guys. It's, uh, it was you know, so I, fun. I, I I know you guys probably had a great time, but I was you know I was probably doing something cooler. Um. Uh, I don't know. Like, uh, I, dude, I don't this know, movie like, bombed at the box office, and I think I know the reason why. I think why? this is like. Because it's like the late 90s, early 2000s. This is the transition from uh, the traditional animation to computer animation. And this is a film that utilizes both, you know. Um, It's one of those films like Tarzan that learns how to effectively mix both mediums from Warner Brothers. But it bombed because what was popular at the time. Look at what Disney was putting out. They were trying to put out Toy Story. Dinosaur. Toy Story. Story. Exactly. Pixar was putting out Toy Story before they merged with Disney. And it was like nobody wanted to watch 2D animated features, especially ones that are like not fantastical. You mm-hmm. know, if you look at those Disney movies of the Renaissance era that were making boatloads of money, that were getting awards consideration, that was all the Broadway musicals. So then when you get something that is like about nuclear fear and about like the Cold War and about it's a coming of age story about like a kid in the 1950s, like. Yeah. Who's gonna like? It's it, yeah. It's not a great, not a great pitch. You know. No, what I mean? yeah, and I mean, it's like it's like the Rocketeer and how those two movies have kind of like picking up their cult classic status, 
from their like retro futuristic approach to to viewing science fiction mm. and it's so classic you know if it, it has like the prestige of a classic movie even if you watched it yeah. in like 2000 it feels like a classic movie does. And, yeah, and does. I remember watching it and falling in love with the characters and in this world, and it has some of the most delicious looking food. And bro, shake, that milkshake got laxatives in it. I'll still drink it. It looks yeah. so you good. Shoot I'll, your brains out. Yeah, I don't care. That shit looks the, too good. And the coloring is straight out of like a, a live action film. It feels oh, like so, so layered. Pretty. Like it feels yeah. like a Spielberg movie. Almost. It does. He lights Horizons just like Close Encounters, which is like yeah. insane. It's gorgeous. You know, the, um, and, it, and it's so detailed. I just, yeah. Uh, Chris, go ahead. No, yeah. the The movie is so beautifully done, and like we we talk, we've been talking about the whole like blending two D and three D, and this movie does it really well. Like, I think I'm sure there's many sequences. I'm, but I think where it becomes its most apparent is when, and I think they utilize. I think Iron Giant does this the best out of. I'm sure there's maybe other movies out there that I could talk about, but for this one, like. I think they do a really good job of utilizing, knowing when to use 2D and 3D well for narrative purposes too. Because, for instance, I've no, I, I, if I remember correctly, like even like I, the Iron Giant is 2D, but then when the military comes in with the explosions and all that shit, it gives the 3D look of that lends it almost like a, like an aggressive kind of texture to it. You know what I mean? Which contrasts heavily with like the kind of peaceful harmony that the 2d look brought to the film initially which you know is just like that's just that's just smart use of your techniques and i love that about it and like brandon said the movie is also so beautifully like like it's 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 one of those movies that like you can watch and just like you feel warm inside you know what i mean and even though the ending is kind of tragic in its own way but also kind of uplifting too because there's a little hint at like like there's hope yeah. um you know there's something like there's something so like just Ah, uh, like a nice warm blanket kind of movie. You know what I mean? Absolutely. Yeah. It's when I was a kid, I thought this was a Spielberg movie because that's how it like, feels like it. Because it, it feels like it, and it it's it's very similar to ET. You know, in terms of the I can structure. See, yeah. It's you know boy and alien, but this time the alien's huge. You know, and a robot and a robot. <laughs> um, but it's pretty similar. But it's Brad Bird is able to make it unique as itself on its own just by using the aesthetics of sort of the Dean Fleischer era of like the Superman cartoons from the 50s and and mm. 40s you know it, it um, feels like a vintage action comic for sure it does it, yeah and it's, they it's make very reference pulp, to that it's very pulp comic book like you know yeah um and there's just there's never been another movie since it you know never a movie Which, not one not one not movie not even like, the terminal no, no move. There, it, it was the last movie that came out. We've been starving for years, guys. Like, <laughs> release a movie. Come on, like, you got more ideas, right? <laughs> Imagine. Imagine they stop making movies after this. We're just like, hey, come on. This one bombed so bad. Like, yeah, they're like they gave up. Like, this is one of the greatest movies ever made. No one's gonna see this. That it's hopeless. Maybe they should have done that. I don't know. Uh, anyways, it's a great film. Uh, Iron Giant. Um, Chris, you got one? You want to yes, talk about? I do. Uh, I'll, you know what? You know, it'd be a dis- I feel like, and I'm sure we all probably brought one to the table, yeah, but I think it would be, it'd be crazy if we didn't talk about Japanese animation. Is it anime time? All right, let's get into anime time. Okay. Um, I mean, the two that stood out to me, um, and 
like that stood out to me the most were Grave of Fireflies and End of Eva. Really? Um, I'm yeah. shocked you didn't think of your name as like I would have, but I'm gonna I wanna talk about Suzume later. We'll come back to that. Oh. Um because we haven't talked we haven't done a Suzume debrief, which by the way, everyone go if you're listening, go watch Suzume. Um but okay, so Grave of Fireflies. Let's start I'll start there because I bet Ethan's gonna want to talk about NGE. Um so okay, uh Grave of Fireflies. We've I've talked about this movie a couple of times before, but this movie is one of those films that like I felt like like when I watched it, I remember it, it felt it transcended the form itself. I felt yeah. I've never felt the kind of like despair. Like they like maybe I'm trying to think of other movies that have made me feel this de- so sad about the world. And probably the only one I can think of that compares to this movie in terms of its tragedy and its story. Schindler. Maybe, probably Schindler. Yeah. Just like just how like depressing it is over and like but it's but I gotta say, like, it is a beautifully animated film. And I love the way they make use of the medium to tell its story. Um there's an old I I think I've said this before, but there's like an old um like DA I've heard this like DA people talk about this and I agree that um when you're making an animated film you have to be able to justify why your animation is the right medium for the story. Yes. And I think Grave of Fireflies cannot be done in live action. No. Um especially once you kind of get to contextualize what's going on in this story. Um just like the fantastical elements in this film and albeit pretty limited are contrasted so brutally against the this devastating setting that it's it's set against, um, and the animation just swells beautifully with between those two like those two as- aspects of like that grounded realism versus that fantastical surrealism almost um, maybe mm-hmm. not sur- surreal might not be the right word but you know what I'm saying yeah. Um, yeah and you know like we set up like we said um, earlier about um, Iron Giant. Greater Fireflies is one of those movies that makes you fall in love with its characters. Um, you know, it's it's a very simple movie, but once you kind of get into the like what's going on here, the characters are so empathetic. You can really feel yourself like latching onto them. Um, mm-hmm. And it's one of those movies that like I don't know. It's just, it just speaks it just speaks to me in a way that like really left an impression on me. Um, Ethan, I know you're a big fan of this movie, just like me. Brandon, I know you. you Brandon, I know you like this movie, oh. not as much as me and Ethan, but like nonetheless, like I know you. I know you respect this movie. It's too sad. It's too sad. That's his complaint. It's too sad. I I also hate the dub. I've only ever watched. You've it only watched the yeah. What? Because oh it's easily. It's the one that was easily accessible when I watched it, and I think it's a movie that. It, it's obvious in what it's going for and that obviousness is like so bleak and it's like i wish it would like do something else like in addition to what it is which is just kids walking and talking and going through the most devastating period of their life socioculturally <laughs> it's and, just that show me something else <laughs> <laughs> no, no it's what's something else? Like, that's not what I mean. Uh, that's not what I mean. Oh, they're starving to death, huh? Next, <laughs> come on, put something cool in here. <laughs> Too sad. It's 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 a well made movie, and I will say the animation. There's a texture to it that is impeccable. The way they do shadows in this movie, and the way mm. like the the actual fireflies in the movie 
like shine and light up the environment that they're in mm-hmm. it is very haunting and i think they know how to evoke that feeling of mm-hmm. just soul sucking devastating a trauma I... and yeah i don't know i love the animation gorgeous animation one of ghibli's best animated films um chris going back to your point of just like what is the point of this being an animated film right mm-hmm. it i think i think there are two films you can relate this to uh we already said schindler's list which i agree and come and see i would see it i'd say is also mm. another one that comes to this one and what all of these three films have in common is people experiencing the absolute worst in humanity the absolute hell you know um and the the feats that spielberg made and that the film come and see made is damn near impossible you know so it makes sense and this one is entirely focused on a kid on two kids so you could not direct children to emote the way they do in this film you know physically you can't get a kid you can't starve a kid you can't show a kid that looks like when they're on the brink of death starving watch me all right starving kid movie come to theaters 2025 everyone get ready it's gonna be great um it's eight hours long yeah it's a wonder it's a one tick but also i think this movie is also very layered in showing this uh it shows the first hand effects of war in the beginning you know when they when they visit their mother after the fire bombings you the know the raid yeah but then the rest of the film is more it's more second hand you know it's more of them grappling with the fallout of this war and having to be on their own and just willing mm-hmm. to survive cuz the war itself is not a danger to these characters for most of the movie it's no, just it's, not. it's the it's, fallout of the it's war it's the fallout and it's like just the, living by, on their yeah. own with no money and figuring out what to do with no parents or no family and no direction, you know. Um, and Brandon, yeah, he's he he thinks that's a lullaby to him. He's he's already sleeping. He's passed out by the time you know they get around to the. <laughs> I, I can't believe you. You have to rewatch. Brandon, you're watching all your top 100 films. Rewatch that one. Will you that's do that not for in me, my please? Top 100. I know, I know, but it will be. It will be once you rewatch it and it's correct language. And now you're a lot smarter <laughs> than the first time you watched it. Um, thank you. I thank you. Yeah, you're welcome. Backhanded See? fucking compliment, but you know, I'll take it. <laughs> yeah, you're welcome, man. Hey, anytime. Um, but yeah, great film. Okay, I actually wasn't going to talk about End of Eva this episode. That oh, wasn't really? going to be okay. my anime, but I'm I'm willing to talk about it. Okay, I'm just going to... I'll I'll talk about it. Uh, but I'll, I want to briefly bring up the movie, the anime that I was going to bring up instead, which was, I feel like you can't talk about 2D animation without bringing up the Master Satoshi Kon. Um, I was going to bring up one of my favorite films of all time, my favorite film of his, uh, Perfect Blue, which is about subjectivity, mm. experiencing reality, and using 2D animation as a medium for you to, for the director to be complete control of the frame, hence being able to um, play with how people experience reality differently, you know? Mm. I think that's really awesome. Uh and it just makes me super jazzed. It was actually going to be the film that I wanted to uh, do my thesis on, but it wasn't on that that list, so I chose Totoro instead. Um, but I went with the same thesis. Um, but end of Evangelion. All right. All right, all right. Let's get into this one. Um, 
I think it actually goes into a similar um, exercise that Satoshi Kon does, where Hideki Anno basically he's expressing this insanely complex struggle that we as social creatures all go through, which is the desire, the the struggle with not knowing what the other person is thinking and the insecurities that come from that, the conflicts that come from that, the lack of self. Uh, empathy and self-love that comes from that and the problems that creates you know that's what all of end of evangelion is about um it's about all these issues being allegorized is that the word i don't know as an allegory yeah turned into an allegory turned into an allegory of a world-ending event you know Mm. put into the hands of one of the most insecure teenage boys to ever live you know and the exercises that Hideki Anna goes through by using animation, you know, uh, is just incredible. Um, it, I remember the first time I watched this film, oh man, I was such a baby. Uh, what was this? It was like November of 2020. It, this film literally changed my life. It changed my life, I feel. And that's why it's my favorite film ever made. Um, that's why... If I were to subscribe to anything as a religious text, I would bring my giant $300 collector's edition of Neon Genesis Evangelion because I think it taught me more about how I see myself and see the world around me than any sort of text or lesson I've ever received in my life. Um, And the way, and it only could have been done through the use of animation and 2D animation. Mm-hmm. And I haven't even like talked about how high quality the animation is in this film. The just how fluid it blows my mind thinking about how these animators animated that fight between Asuka and the Eva series. Gonna... And how yeah. you see these the giant robots like swing these big swords, fall to the ground, split these robots in half, you know. Um just how fluid the motion is is something you don't expect from 2D animation, but they did it, and it's spectacular. It is some of the best action I've ever seen put to film, and it's entirely drawn, which blows my mind. All right, I'm going to stop talking about this film because I could talk about it for hours. Brandon, I, I listen, it's also so extremely validating that every person who I've shown this film to or recommended to is also given it five stars. That just makes me feel like I'm doing something right. Um... Because I remember showing Brandon this, and I just remember we were both on our little Santa hats. It was towards Christmas time, and we were watching. We did it over. We did it over Discord. Zoom. I remember. Or, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. Um, what did you think, Brandon? I love this movie. Uh, it's a great encapsulation of the end of the series. I think it caps yes. off every storyline well. And I think thematically, it has a lot to say about self worth. Um, and it's less indulgent than I think a lot of people say about the, the, you know, the series as a whole, often people say the first half is really fun. It's light. It's like nothing. Yeah. It's just to endear us to the characters. And then the second half is so self-indulgent. And I don't think I hear that. I hear what? people don't like the second half of the series, but I'm like, it, it to don't me, it's taking risks. <laughs> that That's yeah. And actually for me, that's where I, I really tuned in. 
Right, exactly. And, it, and once, and then Chris, if you rewatch the series, it's gonna make the first half all the stronger because now you're like, yeah. oh, the first half was building up these characters so they could tear them down. There are little yeah. moments too. Yeah. In the the first half, that really uh, visually actually convey a parallel between the beginning and the end of their stories. And I think the rebuilds do a good job at like telling the meta story behind why I think people don't like the series. Yeah. But I think the second half of the series mixed with the end of Evangelion is just so devastating. But also very cathartic in a way. (laughs) The way it goes out. Oh, Uh, God. But I I adore this movie. It's in my top 100. I'll be rewatching it eventually. (laughs) I've seen it so many times, and it's really just a Rorschach test of, like, where you are in your life and how... I'm going to rewatch it soon. I might rewatch it in June before um, I head off to Japan. Uh, and go to Eva in real life. <gasps> oh, I, guys, oh, I'm, gonna be, I'm gonna be hearing those cicadas in real life. Oh, wait, that's just okay. not the soundtrack of the show. That's actually that plays everywhere in Japan. Oh, oh, Chris, what about you? Oh man, I still remember when you guys showed me this movie. Yeah. Um. So I, I was, I remember I was watching the show for like maybe two months, just slowly make my way through it. And I remember, was it episode sixteen? When it really like that's when it kicks off, um, yeah, and that's the episode, yeah, and like, and then by that point is when I'm like, oh, <laughs> and then from there going towards episode what twenty four, twenty five, something like that, um, it just keeps building towards this unbelievable climax. And by the time I finally saw it, like if like this movie, I mean like the whole show, but like the movie itself like really helped contextualize everything for me, and like. You know, all the things about, like you guys said, about self-worth, but also, like, even beyond that, like, I found it, like, incredibly um, deep about how it discusses, like, f- like philosophical nihilism, um, like, you know, religious studies, um, you know, like, the the effect, like, family has upon you, like, you know, mo- mother's relationship to children, father's relationship to sons, that's really important in this movie. Oh, yeah. Um, you know, human psychoanalysis and all this, and, like, it's, like, I was primed to love this movie because I took Fury's classes. Because I was like, my God, like, I don't think I would understand this movie without, like, really kind of diving into, like, you know, all these other aspects of humanity. Mm-hmm. And just how it kind of, like, and, you know, like, I've said this before, but I am truly in awe of how they're able to bring in all of these unbelievably vast, like, concepts. Which, you know, even just tackling one of those is difficult enough in a film let alone a bunch of them, and grounding grounding it in in the story of a bunch of teenagers fighting these like mysterious creatures from the skies. But and and then, you know when you pitch that to someone, you're like, "What the what fuck are you you're yeah. smoking out there?" It's a but then it's anime? like what okay. And then but then it's also like this deep like existential like film about like personhood and but also like your role in the universe. Yeah, I don't know. It's just like it's about everything. You know what I mean, and like, and like, you know, truthfully, it it didn't um leave like it's one of those movies that like I have nothing but love and respect for. It just didn't leave as strong of an emotional impact on me because I think other films may have filled that void for me in other places. Yeah. Um. Yeah. But nonetheless, the movie is brilliant. I I like one of those. It's one of those movies where like like even five when even when I give a movie five stars, sometimes I'm like, oh, you know, one or two things I'd like to change. Zero notes for this movie. 
no not a no, not a no insight. Like the ending when they cut to like all that footage of I think the streets of Japan and then the theater at the end. Yeah, and I'm like, bro, like the spectator shit. Like you, you're speaking my language. You know I what I know, mean, dude? Oh my god. Yeah, and it's like it's it's like I honestly think I could probably pull a chapter from any of our film studies textbooks and apply it to this movie. Yes. I honestly, I'm having trouble thinking of one other than like maybe like black cinema or something. Yeah, intersectionality. But, <laughs> but um, but yeah, you know what I'm saying. And yeah. brilliant. And also, like you know, the point we're talking about, uh, animation is beautiful all around. Can't can't complain. The the final like thing, the final like shots of like the planet with all of the uh, crosses, crosses, yeah. you know, floating yeah. in the for sky. Lack, for lack of a better word, to be honest. Yeah. I don't even know what to describe that. Yeah, it's it's one of the movies that leaves you kind of speechless because you don't. You it's hard to comprehend, but it's like it's it's all there, and yeah. Um, we're going on an hour here. Do you guys have anything yeah. you want to throw in? Brandon, anime. do you have an anime? Yeah, what's your anime? voice? Oh, great movie! Great movie! <laughs> I because people it's, can it's, change, it's, man. It, it, <laughs> I'm not a piece of shit. People can not change. A, I used to be. Uh, not a, I, I used to be. I, I'm always like everybody's like okay like animation and Chris you said it before what about this movie uh, needs to be animated because it is a film that doesn't really have any fantastical elements in terms of its storytelling it's about bullying and yeah. bullying. it's simple bullying. and it's bullying. pure and simple but I think there's such a effective way in capturing melodrama in the way the film is animated via how it's a subjectivity again with what Eaton talks about and how somebody sees the world and how their perception of the world shifts based on their interactions they have with other people. Yeah. And that is somebody trying to make up for their own mistakes. Like the main character in this movie, he sees himself as closed off from everybody around him because as a kid, he was dealing with his own trauma through bullying other people. And it's a really strongly affecting movie emotionally. And one that I think is such, it, it's so sweet. And it, I, when, when it's at first they're sour, then they're sweet, you know, uh, whenever mm -hmm. we watch a movie like this, you don't want to em empathize or sympathize for a protagonist that is like truly an awful person at the beginning. Yeah. But the fact that they yeah. can change and you're, you're enthralled by that change that you see in somebody and that the animation is like, it's real, but it, it's it, I, I it's hard to like describe how how special it is. I I, I don't know if you guys have any words because I really don't on this front. I think you hit the nail on the head. Where I just anime and melodrama, they go together like this. Yeah, you know. Oh my god! Um, because Those, because yeah. anime knows how to heighten subjectivity and reality. Mm -hmm in a way um, that makes it feel like action where you're as thrilled mm -hmm. about that as you're seeing an action sequence, you know? Yeah. Um, and I just remember like the, uh, the end of this movie killed me during the fireworks. Oh mm -hmm. my God. And just the tension that films able to build through animation, you know? Um, it's intense. It's intense. And, uh, yeah, people can change. You know? Yeah. It's great. No, yeah. I love what you said, Ethan, about how um, 
anime and melodrama go hand in hand with one another because I think one thing that anime does really well, and I think just animation in general, but anime especially, is expressivity. It's so potent. It's so like vibrant, you know what I mean? And that works so beautifully for melodrama because melodrama as a genre operates in a mode of emotional bigness. You know what I yeah. mean? And it's all about coming out and like showing, showing out. You know what I mean? And um, yeah, this movie does such, a, and you know, this movie almost like, like, yeah, you you really hate the char- the main character in the beginning of this movie. Yeah, but but and like, oh my god, like I was like, I can't imagine you redeeming this guy. But the thing I find interesting about it is that he's not really redeemed. He's more, it's more like reconciled. Forgiven? You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. yeah, maybe forgiven and like like and like given the opportunity to, you know, grow and become better. But you don't, like, we never, we, by the end of the movie, I'm, like, I've never been like, oh, he was great all along. No, like, the guy was a piece of shit. And he knows it. Yeah, Um, it was. Yeah, and the movie, I said I was was a piece of shit. Um, Yeah, and, like, I don't know, it's, it's a movie that, like, more than anything is about, like, choosing to, choosing love over hate. Which, like, I mean, come on, man, like, simple as that and i love it i think it's beautiful and it touches on a lot of things that i think are very prevalent aspects of modern youth culture whether it be depression anxiety suicide and like all these awful things that i think a lot of people in our generation are being faced with and i think it does a really good job of articulating that in this very grounded way um and yeah i think it's gorgeous great great choice yeah um um all right, let's. Should we run just through some honorable mentions of yeah, ones I'd we didn't get to? to. Um, I yeah. want to talk about um, the one other film that I didn't get to. Um, it's Hungarian. Um, yeah. Son of the White Mare yeah. is like... an ethereal 2D animated film in having to, like, able to capture the gravitas of, of ancient folklore in a, to, in a cinematic medium is amazing and then mm-hmm. of course a film a director that was inspired by eastern european animation uh we already talked about getting tarkovsky i want to talk about uh samurai jack the premiere mo- movie um why well, i don't think it's it's basically this was the premiere of the show that was released in theaters um in select theaters and it's just the first few episodes of the show i think there are episodes that are stronger in the series and it's probably it's one of my favorite shows of all time but Mm -hmm. it's able to show how the power of animation of what you can do with uh style and setting using a sort of sergio leone setting but in like uh, sergio leone style a heightened hyperbolized sergio leone style in like a um you know in like a blade runner setting and it's so cool um let's see what else you guys want to shout some more i'm going to pull up some more cool yeah um yeah uh, you want to go first, Brandon? It's up to you. Uh, you go first. Okay. <laughs> uh, so so uh, I want to note early uh, Don Bluth animation. Uh, stuff that we kind of forget about because of Disney Renaissance. I got Land Before Time. And, uh, uh, that was one of mine. Uh, I was going to say Quest for Camelot as well. Uh, very God, underrated film. Oh, man, I haven't seen that forever, bro. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, very very underrated. Um, That's a throwback right there. I think uh, if we're talking stick figures, you know, it's such a beautiful day. A great yeah. Donald Hitzfeld movie. Uh, color wise, 
I think animation uh, is very expressive in the coloring of its films and shading. And I would say like something like Scooby-Doo and the Alien Invaders, uh, <laughs> uh, Sp- the SpongeBob the movie, oh, Curious yes. George. Oh. Yeah, very good. Uh, we've got rotoscoping 2D animation from Lake Linklater. Yeah. So you've got films like Scanner Darkly, Apollo 10 and a Half, Not Waking Life. What? Uh, Fuck you. Don't like that movie. It's um, best one. Uh, Ernest and Celestine's a great little French film about like animals like that are like it's kind of like a predecessor to Utopia in a way or Zootopia. Uh, yeah. Very sweet. Uh, and then got two more. Uh, Loving Vincent. Great watercolor Oh, animation that, that is in the vein of those his paintings his artwork and wolf walkers uh which was a few years ago nominated for best animated feature just a terrific film about like siblings and a cartoon salon movie i don't think we recognize them enough it's an irish studio yeah and their wolf films are just great. so it's just so emotionally engaging i, uh, I don't want to name any more Gib- ghibli but yeah i We've when talked about basically any Ghibli film, honestly. That, yeah. just, just take it at that. Yeah. Nausicaa, Totoro, Gary the Fireflies, Wind Rises, uh, Ocean Waves, Mononoke, Mononoke, Spirit Away. Spirit Away. You know, Hoppy you know Hill, the list. Castles in the Sky. You got, you know it. We are, we did a whole episode on that already. Uh, Cowboy Bebop the movie. Um, that is also some of the most insane action sequence um, I've ever seen, and that's all hand drawn. Beautiful film. Um, Batman The Dark Knight Returns. Got to shout out the DC animated movies. That's big. Under uh, the Red me. Hood, man. Under the Red Hood's good. Um, Yuri Yatsura, Beautiful Dreamer. If you want me to talk about more about that, go to our 80s episode. Um, Pokemon. The Pokemon movies. Pokemon, the first movie, is insanely good. Initial D, uh, the third stage, insanely good movie. Interstellar 55555. Daft Punk. Need I say more? Oh, Interstellar 555, um, yeah. Movies adapted from cartoons. Brian already mentioned the SpongeBob movie. Uh, the Invader Zim, Enter the Florpus, is a really good one. Uh, Underfist, that's a movie from Billy and Mandy. I thought it was amazing. Uh, Foster Stone for Imaginary Friends, House of Blues, super good. Um, last one, last one I want to talk about. The best dinosaur movie from 1993. We're back. A dinosaur story, baby. That movie's incredible. I love that one. John Goodman's a T-Rex. He's great. Chris, listen movies. Okay. Cool. Um, the ones that I uh, want to list out that I that has been mentioned yet are uh, The Hunchback of Notre Dame, uh, Batman: The Mask of the Phantasm, yes, um, the Simpsons movie because I knew that is it, 2D, yeah. even though they even though they add shadows to try and make it look 3D, which I hate that they do that in in these like movie adaptations of shows. Um, the next, the they next have a bigger budget. Yeah, yeah, true. My next, uh, my next, my final four are. Movies that are technically 3D or something of or another animation form, but use 2D elements, kind of like how we talked about, um, uh, like Spider Verse, for instance. Yeah. Um, Kung Fu Panda, the matte paintings in the back are all 2D animated or or you know, or just drawn. 2D drawn. Um, Suzume uh, also uh, Shinkai always uses um, 2D and 3D and meshes them beautifully. Yeah. Um, I talked about this movie once before, Life in Transition. It's a movie by uh, John R. Dilworth, who's a guy who made Courage the Cowardly Dog, who's also very, and is a very much a good movie to look at for, an, or series to look at for animation. Mm-hmm. Um, and also the style is very reminiscent of, 
Oh, fuck. What's his name? Surrealist. There's a surrealist artist. It's going to kill uh, Dolly. Dolly. Yeah, Salvador Dolly. Yeah. Um, and the last one I want to ca- shout out, because Life in Transition is a stop-motion 2D animated film. Uh, I'm going to shout out my final pick. <laughs> Uh, it's also a, a stop motion with some 2D. Um, Bob the Builder, the Knights of Canalot, which is uh, which reminds me, which I was reminded of because Brandon talked about Camelot earlier, and I thought of this. <laughs> anyway, well, with that, <laughs> uh, enjoy some 2D animated film, guys. Animation is cinema. Okay, it is cinema. I I'm getting more sick of people saying that than more people than people like discrediting animation. I'm like, we need to go back to hating on animation again. Because <laughs> they'll pull up the fucking, like, Trolls World Tour and they'll say, animation is cinema, guys, okay? I'm like, alright, we get it, you know? Del Toro, let, let him, let Del Toro just say that, you know? And then mm-hmm. us, we'll just go watch the animated films. How about that? So, let us know in the comments below what your favorite 2D animated film is. Um... Let us know what your subway order is in the comments below as well. Um, <laughs> Mine's the best. Yours is vile. Yours is the grave of the fireflies of um, sa- subway sandwiches. It's a, I don't think you should compare the. It's it's the... it's a darkness upon humanity. It's so sad. <laughs> um, I don't know that. So that that'll be it for us for the three of us for a while, guys. Um, Chris, any 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 parting thoughts before you go to Hong Kong for a while? Um, um, fuck. Uh, <laughs> no, he hates you guys. Let's go. Keep keep watching movies. Uh, yeah. Oh, uh, Al Alex Knight is it McKnight? What McDonald's McKnight? Alex Knight. Um, oh my god. Was Alex Knight the one who asked Loyal for Hong listener. Kong cinema? Yeah. Was that him? Uh, yes. Alex, I when we come back, I will try and get these guys to do a Hong Kong episode. You know what? Let's let's make that a promise. Our first episode when Chris comes back, let's do Hong Kong films. How about that? I feel Fair. like we're all we're all a lot more deal. versed in Hong Kong cinema. <laughs> Freaking deal. deal. Sign it, deal. put it in stone. When Chris gets back, we'll do that. Um But yeah, just get Get ready for a few more, just a, a couple of hiatuses and a few episodes. Maybe it'll just be me and Brandon. Maybe it'll be me, Brandon, a guest. Maybe it'll just be Brandon. Who knows? Yeah, he's waving right now. It'll just, well, let's see what he'll rant about for an hour. I bet he's got something to say. He's got he's he's been scheming for ideas, right? Yeah. So otters, we okay. love them as aquatic creatures. Yeah. In this lovely environment. <laughs> yeah. Tell us more. I got charged up by a skunk do, you, yesterday. You should do like an you should do like an Animal Planet commentary or something. You got charged? I got charged by a skunk yesterday. It charged me. It charged at me. Oh. It's scary. Okay. Cool. The life of Brandon. The life aquatic. Yeah, you'll hear all about it on his solo episodes, guys. Mm. Alright, bye.